if we don't do it, Sky will. The Football Podcast. Three friends picking the bones out of the weekend's football. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of If We Don't Do It, Sky Will, the football podcast. This week we're looking back at the 18th and 19th December in the Premier League and the preceding midweek and looking around Europe as well as we count the days towards Christmas and survey the chaos of uh, fixtures lost to COVID, balmy refereeing across the Premier League and um, all sorts of controversy. With me as usual are Nick Gilmer, our Man United fan. Manchester United are, of course, one of the teams who didn't play this week because of aforementioned troubles. Hello, Nick. Hello. Don't know what I'm going to talk about this week. And one man whose team certainly did play, but he probably wishes they hadn't, uh, our Leeds fan, George. Hello there. Uh, Sounding nice and chipper. Very good. And my name's Alex Gross. I'm a Spurs fan who just had a good two weeks without a game. And then Liverpool came to town for a pulsating 2-2 draw on Super Sunday this weekend, which surprised me, I must say. But really the top story this weekend or or the last uh, 10 days or so, we'd have to say, is just some inexplicable and downright awful refereeing across the league, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, I was trying to think of why it's getting worse rather than better. And I think it's like, you know, when you're at work and you've got like this big looming presence of a boss who always wants it done their way and you just end up not making any decisions yourself and just deferring everything to them. That's what refereeing is now with VAR. Like they just don't make the decision. And yet VAR is also trying desperately not to undermine that decision that is not being made. And what you're ending up with is just an absolute mess of decision making every weekend. So the big nasty boss is VAR or is it Mike yeah, Riley? Yeah, it's the frightened, yeah, the frightening boss is VAR and Mike Riley. And they, <laughs> you know, just defer it up to the boss. They'll make a decision, except that boss doesn't want to make the decision. They want to let the person have the space to make their own mistakes. Yet they're not making any calls. It's, it's, it's a dreadful state of affairs. And George, you've got a whole host of troubles over at uh, Ellen Road, but uh, it doesn't help when the refereeing's so dodgy, does it? No, it doesn't. I think one of my main gripes with VAR last season was the, the time it took. And it's definitely got quicker, but it's quicker at getting to a bad or wrong decision. So they've, I'd rather they took longer, like they do in, I don't know, cricket. Well, it's not talking about cricket either, but <laughs> <laughs> take longer and get to the right decision. Yeah, it's it's one of a host of reasons why it's quite difficult to enjoy the sport at the moment for me. So the highest profile mistakes or decisions certainly were yesterday at Tottenham. Uh, although they were littered all over the league and we'll we'll get to most of them, I hope. But I'm sure we all saw at least the highlights of this game, which was, um, all told, an excellent match. Spurs went ahead through uh, a rare goal for Harry Kane. Uh, Liverpool then scored twice, but uh, Son made it 2-2 for Spurs. Anybody could have won this game. It was going to and fro, a real uh, free-for-all at times although uh, most of the possession and play was Liverpool's, of course, but uh, Conte's tactics really did seem to match the occasion very well. And I was just pleased to see Spurs play uh, competitively in a big game like this. Liverpool have done the league double over us the last three seasons running. We haven't been able to land a punch on them at all for quite a while. And it was just so good to watch a big game uh, against the top team and feel that Spurs were creating chances and <laughs> we created a lot of chances and missed most of them. Yeah. Uh, I almost thought that at times 
the crowd couldn't quite believe some of the chances we were missing. Usually at Spurs, there's a sort of rallying cry when we get a corner, especially in a big match like this. And there were a couple of times when, remember, for example, um, De- Deli Ali's clear-cut chance, which um, Alisson just palmed away past the post and it went for a corner. There was just sort of stunned quiet in the stadium in the lead up to that corner where there usually would be a sort of come on you Spurs rallying cry. So I think to an extent we couldn't believe the kind of chances we were squandering. But anyway, it could all have been very different, of course. And there was some extremely dodgy refereeing here. Um, As a Spurs fan, I was pleased that um, a pretty hot-headed Harry Kane didn't get sent off in the first half but you can't look at that challenge really and think it shouldn't be a red in in my opinion anyway uh this was a lunge I wouldn't say a two-footed tackle but he certainly um left the ground and had studs up on uh on the front foot and uh, I can't even remember who he collided with was that Milner or no, it was Robertson, no, it was Robertson yeah. yeah I think it's important that there's, there's nothing the rules about two feet I know everyone always talks about that but yeah. and the commentators definitely do. But it's all about control, having out of control. And I yeah. think he, he was, and he was endangering an opponent. That's the other line, isn't it? And I think he certainly was. I think absolutely. Oh, Robertson became the pantomime villain. I think it would take a very strong will player not to get riled by that, and then subsequently get themselves sent off. I think it was always yeah. going to happen. Then in the second half, uh, Robertson mm. lost the ball. It got a bit riled up and uh, took a swing at Emerson Royale. Uh, for which he was also yeah. sent off. But neither challenge was a red card at first. Robertson was sent off upon review of VAR. And the crazy thing is that uh, the Kane one wasn't even reviewed by VAR. That's what's so hard to understand. Also hard to understand why they put VAR monitor right in the middle of Spurs fans. Because there's nowhere yeah. else they could put it. <laughs> like, again, we take a very strong willed, in this case, referee, not to let that influence them, <laughs> staring at 10,000 fans yeah. screaming at them to give a red. <laughs> yeah, I always think that as well when I see that. Yeah, I think they put one on each side, don't they, to save the ref from having to walk all the way. But yeah, I see. I see what you mean, definitely. So then in the first half also, there was that penalty shout for Liverpool as Jota was clearly pushed to the ground. And Klopp revealed at the end that referee Paul Tierney had said to him that the reason they didn't give the penalty was that he stopped deliberately or something to that effect, that he stopped waiting for the contact. And I think that is just ludicrous. And that together with something that happened at St. James's Park earlier in the day. Ryan Fraser was clattered by Edison in the clearest penalty of the season. Yeah, and what was the reason they gave there? That he... He didn't change his run or something. Or he ran into Edison, didn't follow the ball, something like that. It's the cheese and wine party, isn't it? The business meeting. Ludicrous excuse for something inexcusable. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of was getting to that. I think I'm starting to hear rumblings from the refs that sound a bit like our politicians. And I hear them giving ludicrous reasons for bad decisions they're making. And that is not the way it should be going. I mean, we've complained a long time that they never hold up their hands and say sorry for bad decisions. But it's even worse if they start coming out and give sort of spurious reasons for giving penalties that aren't in the law book. And they're, in my opinion, they're applying far too much of their own uh, subjectivity to these decisions. What do you think? It blew my mind. I don't know if you saw it. It was doing the rounds on Twitter a couple of weeks back. Klattenberg talking his way through how he he refereed a match. He was openly saying it was affected by what had happened earlier in the match. And that is alarming like that is yeah. exactly how they've always said it isn't and you judge every single situation on its merits and and 
the fact that you've got one of the foremost referees in the last 10 years saying that they did that in the biggest occasions, it must be happening. In, yeah. uh, it's like a peek behind the curtain and you can understand now why some of these awful decisions are being made and the, the myth that, oh, they're leaving it up in the second half. Well, I mean, they obviously do. I mean, that was the man who didn't see the ball five yards over the line in Roy Carroll's goal when Pedro Mendes had a shot all those years ago, but still. <laughs> Good decision. <laughs> yeah, 16 years, still not over it. But uh, yeah, it's coming up to 17th anniversary, in fact. Um, a DVD out. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I can understand Klopp's frustrations there, certainly. But then also another incident was uh, just after we thought we might have had a penalty, which every pundit that's reviewed Deli Ali going down there saying he went down too easily and it shouldn't have been a penalty. Obviously, it goes up the other end and they score after clearly... Mo Salah's handled the ball in the run-up to the goal. And uh, week in, week out last season, that would have been chalked off just because any attacking player has used his hand in the run-up to the goal. And that was annoying. And it's one of the things they've changed. But again, it's so hard to keep track of all this, isn't it? I mean, that was a clear handball in the run-up to a goal. And now, because he was part of the action, but not in the final phase and all this stuff, the goal stands. Very frustrating. And I just wanted to mention that to say that it didn't all go against Liverpool yesterday. Anyway, very encouraging for Spurs. And uh, we've got another huge game this midweek, if it goes ahead, in the League Cup quarterfinal against West Ham, who are obviously doing well, but uh, didn't perform so well in midweek at Arsenal. So um, who knows? One of those teams will be in a uh, League Cup semi-final in the new year. Who knows when all this football is going to be played, of course. So we've already mentioned it. Also on Sunday was uh, Newcastle at home to City. City won 4-0 and Pep complained they didn't play very well. Another typical uh, Guardiola quote. But uh, certainly it was amateur hour at the beginning of the match, wasn't it? Uh, who wants to describe that first goal? Oh, I, I can because I've probably been there as a Go goalkeeper, on. amateur goalkeeper myself. It was as, as amateur as it gets. I mean, I don't know. If, I don't think either of them shouted for it. It was almost like a, so the ball comes over. Cancelo, probably man of the match again for Man yeah, City. Brilliant. Absolutely involved in everything. A mid-air volley across the box. It's just catching practice for the goalkeeper. I mean, I'd back my wife to catch that. And <laughs> and <laughs> it, he just lets it, the defender lets it bounce. Goalkeeper leaves it. Uh, I think it was Kieran Clark who just yeah. goes to head it and then kind of li- like ducks. ducks out of the way. And you got centre back stacking is never a good look. No. Yeah, and you got Ruben Diaz the furthest man up the pitch just to just to nod it in empty net. I mean, so I thought the... from a goalkeeper's perspective, you were going to blame that all on Clark, but it was also I, I, I blame the keeper only if he he's not shouted for it because it's right. like I said, it's catching practice. So you just shout for it and gather it easy, you know. And if he's not even opened his mouth or anything or even worse if he's opened his mouth and left it anyway yeah. <laughs> it's even worse and you're talking about I think one of the better goalkeepers in the league in Dubravka I mean he's yeah. certainly got uh, a lot to do yeah well indeed yeah but I think he's one of the main reasons they didn't go down last season he's, he's such a good shot stopper but yeah that was um, very very amateur Sunday league stuff in the, the very beginning and as I can testify on a hide into nothing yeah, <laughs> yeah. just kills the game because the atmosphere was brilliant, you yeah. know, for the first, well, albeit four minutes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it was, you know, they're, they're always up for it, aren't they? And just wishing, wishing the days away until January, obviously, um, in Newcastle's case. But something that might have revived the uh, atmosphere up there was that penalty shout with uh, Ryan Fraser, was it? Yeah, it was. It was just 
the most odd set of events. Was it it too blatant? (laughs) Yeah, it was almost... It felt like one of those glitches on FIFA from, like, FIFA 95. FIFA just accidentally takes out a player 20 metres away from the ball. And so I think think it was... um, Well, Shearer was, of course the angriest because it was Newcastle but he said yeah the the direction of the ball changed and uh, it was no longer it was probably no longer a scoring opportunity because uh, the city defender had already diverted the ball but that should have absolutely no bearing on that being a goal and I think I think that the there was some rumor anyway that the referees had explained it away like that had said that it was no longer a chance but we're not talking about a red card here we're just talking about a a striker being clattered by another player in the penalty area therefore it's a penalty whether whether you've got a chance or not so that's like if a goalkeeper collects the ball from a corner kicked it away yeah. The ball's gone, but then holds back one of their strikers by his throat. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay because the ball's gone. So it's not it's not a yeah. foul. You know, last week, George, we said <laughs> crazy. You were unlucky to give one away to Rudiger at Stamford Bridge because he had his back to goal and was going nowhere. But that didn't change the fact it was a penalty, did it? And quite rightly. Mm, only because of the way he fell. But yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you get my point. I, I take your point. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's it's a it's a nonsense debate. It, like you said, it's not about the colour of the card or whatever the offence is. Like, yeah. like this Edison, it, he comes off off camera and just comes out of nowhere and yeah. steamrolls Fraser. It's it, like I said, it feels like a glitch. It's like it wasn't in the script, so they don't give it. Very, very odd. Speaking of that, by the way, just to come back to Tottenham for a second, we mentioned uh, dodgy Allison last week a couple of times. Oh he, my god, he yeah. was at fault for our second, wasn't he? I didn't think we'd get another sniff, but sure enough, he comes out and uh, misses the ball. Allison in crisis. It's yeah, happened. they need to give Carrius a game. It's, so he, it's weekly now. It is weekly yeah. now. It's not. Yeah, it's he not. made plenty of good yeah. saves, which meant that most Liverpool fans are still praising him to the hilt. But I mean, these errors are every game that we're commenting on now, aren't they? Yeah, and I'm really glad he hasn't just got away with it this time. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, the ball <laughs> actually bounced to the opposition and put it in an empty net. And I think that was his second or third one of the game. There was yeah. definitely one early in the first half. That yes, he just yeah. got very lucky. Oh, it was Kane, wasn't it? Ball was through and he just nicked it in front of Kane. Yeah, and yeah he's a disaster waiting to happen. But like you said, his shot stopping is world class, given the Dele Alli save as an example. But yeah, I'd be having palpitations every time the ball went back if I was a Liverpool yeah. fan. Yeah, and as you mentioned the other week, Carrier, and uh, Adrian on their bench, isn't it? So yeah, I'm not sure who you'd choose out of those. Who's the last exactly. <laughs> So the other game on Sunday was at Molyneux. Well, just Ooh. before we go on to that, I think what I should say is that I think this week has been a pivotal week in the title race. City scored 11, and I think that's Chelsea out of it. Chelsea aren't going to get seven points more. Than so City Chelsea anymore. dropped points twice, yeah. And I think City just this week they stretch their legs. I think it feels like they're getting ready, which is what they've done the last couple of seasons, and they're just building up the momentum now. All of their good, all of their big players are in form, and I just think that was it. This was the week that the league was won. Because they've scored uh, 11 in a week. We won't say where the others came from, will we, George? I can't remember them. (laughs) On Chelsea, though, I think this wobble is six or seven games old now. Obviously, the only team they beat is us. But that was very lucky. They were lucky to even get a draw by all accounts in that game against us, um, which seems a distant memory now. But yeah, a last-minute penalty just to beat lowly leads. And yeah, like they are... 
wobbling a lot. I don't know. We talked about it, didn't we, on one of the pods? It was the mm. the Frank Lampard wobble, which became this is true. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, which became a recession. They are now how... six points behind Manchester City. Yeah, they're out of it. They won't score seven points more than City over the next nineteen games. And and I think you know, having watched the, the big three teams, I think City are just more capable of handling the rest of the season with or without COVID. Yeah. So Chelsea most recently went to Molyneux and drew nil nil. Uh, Wolves. We've spoken about how they've sort of slowly risen up the table and look uh, more and more solid. They've had to play both Liverpool and Man City recently only lost each one 1-0 they've been involved in quite a few stinkers that's their third goalless draw in um, six games I think and this was another one where uh, I have nothing to report except uh, an interesting graphic that I saw an XG graphic that suggested that neither team did absolutely anything for about an hour so it shows that we didn't miss much but in midweek Chelsea welcomed struggling Everton to the bridge and uh, Everton got a point. Did anyone see the highlights of that? Did, and I have spoken to a couple of Everton fans who went to the game who were honest enough to admit they even they didn't know a couple of the players that were playing and they followed their team home and away. It was that much of a B or C team that they put out Is, that highlights um, Chelsea's wobble that they can't even beat a completely well not just an Everton team without any recognisable players but an Everton team that's struggling so much yeah I think it was uh, they defended for. if you see the attacking momentum graphics there was one Everton momentum which was their goal but, is, um, is uh, Jared Branthwaite the scorer of the equaliser one of those people that they didn't no I think I think they're aware of him I think it was more maybe more their bench um, they just filled with whoever they could which interesting, Chelsea didn't didn't choose to do on Sunday. I found that like Tuchel was making a point that he didn't even fill the bench with youngsters. He just filled it with recognised first team names. But every other team, including my own, are just filling the bench with whoever they can. Um, uh, it's a very Harry Redknapp move at this time of year. United had mm. um, two goalkeepers on the bench for the Palace game uh, ahead of T- Anthony Martial, which uh, sort of suggests he's off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, one of those Lee Grant. Uh, no, it was um, a Tom Heaton. Sorry, Heaton and uh, Henderson. Of course, yeah. yeah. Tom Heaton was given a debut, wasn't he, by Ralph Rangnick in the Champions League? Was that which game was it where he came on for the last Young Boys? Minutes? Yeah, yeah, the Dead Rubber. Was that just he, to give him game time, or it's his debut at the yeah. age of I think thirty-five? I want to yeah. say, having uh, started his career at United. Beautiful romance. Yeah, that was strange. Anyway. Branthwaite is a 19-year-old from Carlisle who spent the second half of last season on loan at Blackburn. A nod to our friend Paul who was on pod a couple of weeks ago and who would no doubt be... I'd love to hear his thoughts. <laughs> yeah, no doubt be pleased to be back soon now that they're absolutely buoyant in the championship. I think they beat uh, Birmingham 4-0 on Saturday. So they're on the up in the promotion places. So yeah, that was great because Mason Mount had again popped up to break the deadlock for Chelsea. But um, then this goal by uh, Branthwaite got Everton back into it. So really good point for Everton down there and for Benitez back at Chelsea where he was not exactly loved. And the only other game of the uh, match day or of the weekend, of course, was on Saturday. Everything else had been called off due to COVID and the Sky game, Nick, was still played. So you've got your musings on that, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it's funny that the the broadcast matches were the ones to survive, I have to say. It's a little bit fishy and it's as of time of recording, they've just confirmed that the festive matches are going to go ahead, which is obviously going to be delightful news by BT and Amazon. The 26th and 28th, which uh, Klopp has repeatedly called 
impossible. <laughs> yeah, which is a, a change in his tune, I have to say. He didn't want to have a break, did he, until suddenly there was a couple of cases at Liverpool. Um, now, obviously, every football manager is going to be self-serving, but at least try and disguise it. <laughs> I think he'll be all right on Boxing Day. I think he'll be all right. Remind me who they welcome to Anfield? A, I guess you'd call them Leeds United, but a team that most people wouldn't recognise, including a lot of our own fans. A rabbit. Um, yeah, yeah uh, whatever we can put together. So on Saturday, you know, we'll say as little as we can about uh, Tuesday night, 7-0 at Manchester City. But on Saturday, in front of your own crowd, on a nice sort of dark, foggy night in Yorkshire against uh, little old Arsenal, we all mm. we all tuned in hoping for something. You assured us that something would not transpire. And then uh, we had to watch um, Sunes absolutely tear you apart as if as if he's never watched Bielsa before. And, uh, well, he probably hasn't. Saying, you can't play like that in our football. Yeah. What's your response, George? Says it all, doesn't it? The Sky Pundit thinks it's their football. I just, you must be bored of hearing it, but you can't, you must put an asterisk against these games when we have so few players to choose from. We, someone generously said... A, an injury crisis as bad as this. But yeah. someone, someone generously said we had eight and a half senior players available for this game. Um, the half being young Joe Gellhart in his debut last month. If that was any other level of football, I believe it would probably be called off. Um, yeah. due to lack of available players but Bielsa being Bielsa he doesn't even want us to even try that by all accounts the club didn't even ask for it to be called off he says you play the hand you dealt which in our case is a team of, and I can vouch for this a team as weak as we sometimes put out in Premier League 2 matches because Bielsa yeah. is keen advocate of putting senior players through those games to get them fit again so I've seen stronger teams at that level I just question the entire ethics of it all because by all accounts Leeds have the highest vaccination rate of any of the Premier League clubs and we have been punished for that as a result because we only had one of the 12 players that were unavailable was a Covid related and therefore the rest doesn't matter and you just put out whatever you can yeah. and I wouldn't tie the Man City game in the same brush because Man City can do that to any team really especially they did with it. Kevin De Bruyne back who I thought added exactly. about three goals exactly in in february 2019 they beat chelsea 6-0 you know yeah. they, they can do this to anyone it, it's it's nothing to do with as much our injury crisis is just how ridiculously good they are i said to you both at the time it was like watching fifa amateur over the pro team everything yeah. they did was perfect it was not a pass out of place and yeah it's one of those didn't expect to get anything from it anyway but you know just stop scoring please at some point <laughs> Don't want to break that 9-0 record, do we? I think the one um, that would have hurt the most is the Nathan Ake goal from a set piece. because The person got... I was watching with said, if he scores, I'm, I'm leaving. And he did. <laughs> and he did. Even John Stone's having three attempts and no one even bothering to stop him from shooting. Yeah, but the Arsenal game was just... A, a, it's not a football match for me. It's just been forced to play a game for the purpose of the cameras that have been set up there. So you've just reminded me of one more point on uh, Tottenham, which is that it's been announced today that uh, we've been kicked out of Europe after we unilaterally cancelled our final <laughs> group game. So do you, is there part of you that feels that you should have done this with one of these games and just taken um, the 3-0? Yeah, I'd like to do that on Boxing Day. That's okay. Away <laughs> at Liverpool, 3-0, um, great, because we are getting one of the worst goal differences in the league now, which won't help our cause. But just sorry, just to finish my point, with, in terms of the ethics of it all, because just because it was a TV game, which I believe Nick has good, solid back into that point, we keep getting battered, we keep getting more injuries, we keep getting more suspensions, which other teams are not having to deal with. And every other team around us in our relegation fight, because we're obviously in one, is having at least two weeks rest. And I just think it, it not one bit of it is fair, and it's, it should all be about fairness the sporting integrity now is out the window and it goes at the top of the league as well with Spurs Spurs have now got four games in hand on the Arsenal 
Uh, yeah. We did till yesterday. Yeah. Now we've, now we've got three. We've played 15. So officially there have been 18 match days. And, and then you've got these 15. big squads like Chelsea begging to have matches taken out cancelled because they've got a couple of COVID cases and yeah. a bench with Kovacic and Barkley and other £30 million players. Meanwhile, Leeds are just being made to run and run and run and pick up more injuries. Fifteen-year-old on the bench. Yeah, yeah. I think um, if <laughs> it crazy. wasn't Le- if it wasn't a you know little old Leeds, uh, <laughs> I think it would have been a big, big story. Yeah. If, um, and it's also unfortunate for Leeds because he keeps a small squad, so it's sort of a bit of a problem of his own making. But you can't foresee yeah. these sorts of things. Not not twelve players unavailable. It's unprecedented. Yeah, I, I hope I don't have to worry about this. But Burnley have three games in hand on us now, yeah. and we're only five points in front of them. So yeah, That's it's right. just been yeah. a very dis- disjointed league. You know, so used to everyone being on the same games played. It's becoming farcical. It's only getting worse because we've got what three games in the next. Yeah, every other top days. league in Europe has everyone on the same number of games. Then it says it. Premier League table is a complete mm. mess. It says it all, doesn't it? Mm. I don't know where they're going to find the space as well because it's yeah. not like famously the calendar in England just gets really uncluttered as you get into the spring. Like that doesn't happen. So I suppose I suppose just in our individual case, the the fact that we've been booted out of Europe helps with that. Yeah, I mean, I saw an interview or I saw a report. I can't remember who it was saying you never really wanted to be in it anyway, and you've been glad to be out of it, having not had to play all the matches. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, leave it to Leicester. Yeah, so very well done, George. You uh, navigated telling us uh, about that game without telling us about the game at all. Arsenal well, scored we... four times. Uh, Another but... refereeing shocker, I should say. But, yeah. um, shocker I mean, rhymes with Xhaka. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he is a fool, isn't he? I mean, he was absolutely baited by the Leeds players. He got a little yeah. bit of a kick and his very next tackle, was, it should have been a red card. He should have been off, just like the Harry Kane one. Now, there's someone whose there. reputation really does precede him. Yeah, and uh, and he but, absolutely fell into that trap. And we got a throwing out of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's just one of many unbelievable decisions that you can't even... Even in, in a Man City game, it, it neither of these decisions impact the result. No, that's not the point at all. Yeah. But even in the Man City games, Zinchenko played a bit of handball and just yeah. punched the ball away. And it's just like, well, it's 3 0. Who cares? Or even give a penalty. Yeah. This Xhaka one was, there was no attempt to play the ball whatsoever. Should have gone. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. What like was I the said, one in. Uh... What was the one in the Liverpool-Newcastle game on Thursday night? There's so many, I genuinely so can't remember them all. a Newcastle player was down, seemingly with a head injury. Right, and thank you for reminding me. And proceeded yes. to cross the ball over his lying body lying on the ground and head it into a net. That is right. So this is exactly what Arsenal did at uh, United, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And so we, we've all got those fading memories of uh, famous right-wing sportsman Paolo Di Canio plucking the ball out of the air a few years ago. No one's going to do that anymore, seemingly. But... I am a bit worried about the rhetoric around the head injuries because it's so important and we're being told all the time about, you know, dementia and risk of heading in in football and how that something needs to be done and checking for concussion and everything. And then uh, these are being overlooked. And I definitely feel just because any loophole, it doesn't matter what it is, any loophole you can possibly conceive of in the sport of football will be exploited uh, in some countries more readily than others without hoping to sound like Graham Souness. But uh, it's it is true to an extent but of course it will be exploited some people will go down holding their heads because they know it will stop uh, a counter-attack but i just don't see how any referee can presume to make that judgment i think you have to stop the game if a player is down with a head injury and if you can find in any sort of way that they are faking it or that they have done something unethical like that 
then punish them in retrospect. But don't take that decision into your own hands as a referee yeah. not and let play go on when it could be a dangerous head injury. We've we've surely learned enough from the bad injuries that there have been. With that one as well, similar to my comment about us already losing my 3-0 at Man City, you know, I think part of it's just, oh, it's Newcastle, the bottom of the league. But they yeah. were well in that game at that point. Yeah. And that game, they took the lead. It was only John Joe Shelby, what a strike. Brilliant. He's done that before, Anfield. Yeah. Um, for Swansea. Yeah, Not for I, Liverpool, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I heard, I saw today Newcastle apparently lodging some sort of complaint about these consistent decisions. You've got that. I mean, just those two alone, the one around Frazier and yeah. that one. I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter if the team's bottom of the league. It doesn't matter who it is. Those decisions are really hard to fathom. And, well, I don't know what the answer is. Obviously, It's been a terrible week for referees, yeah. It's certainly true that it's easier for them to take on some clubs and managers with bad decisions and defend them than it is other clubs. Like, you, like in the olden days, you wouldn't go into Ferguson's office and try and just, you know, explain why you'd given a soft red against United. And I think you've got the same now with Certainly Klopp, I think he's very vocal when it comes to the referees and likes to make a big performance on the t- on the touchline. Yeah, he went up to uh, Paul Tierney and said, uh, I don't have a problem with any referees while also sticking his finger into his eye and saying, except you. <laughs> yeah, there might be a few referees who feel differently about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, little Eddie Howe and, you know, basket case Newcastle are probably quite easy to... If, if, you, if it comes down to an unconscious decision in the second, it's probably easier to make it against Newcastle than it is against some of these other teams. Yeah, certainly at Anfield. Yeah. Yeah, yeah if it'd been the way around, Klopp would have probably gotten to walk off the pitch. Take yeah. the Absolute uproar. Gosh, we're very conspiratorial say, tonight, aren't we? Yeah. Well, there's not as much football to talk about, so we can make it up. I, one thing I would say is that Eddie Howe used the the head injury as a defence and a bit of a moan afterwards and said, oh, you know, he didn't look himself and, you know, the referee had a... a obligation to stop the match if he didn't look himself and he was dazed and he'd had a head injury Eddie Howe then played for the rest of the match so I think he's got to be quite careful yeah thank you for mentioning that yeah because my point about the importance of head injuries if it was so bad then uh, you can't let him play on and you're implicating yourself yes quite yeah that doesn't help the discourse does it no and I think your point around every single possible advantage will be found is absolutely true but you can't ask reference to be the doctor no exactly So let's have a more positive one, a decision that I thought they did get right, but where the uh, some of the narrative around it really irked me was in the Arsenal-West Ham game, the SoFal second yellow, where you get this, I mean, it's the English football cliche that really riles me the most, which is this dogma around he got the ball. SoFal sort of brushed the top of the ball with his sock before then clattering the player for a clear penalty. And people are arguing this way and that about to what extent he got the ball. And this has annoyed me for so many years, but it's a good example. And I'm glad that he was sent off. And that's saying that when when, uh, Arsenal were the beneficiaries. So, you know, I mean it. Yeah, it just irks me, this uh, discourse about he got the ball when he also quite definitively got the man (laughs) and clattered him. Would you agree? Did you see this one? He got more of the ball than Xhaka did on Saturday. Yeah, well... (laughs) (laughs) But even so, yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. It's... um... A bit worried about how good Arsenal are looking, I will say. Yeah, they've had a very good week. (laughs) They're getting all the teams they want at the right moment, though. Exactly, yeah. West Ham is the right time to play them now because I think their metaphorical bubble has burst a little bit. Yeah, and they're away at Norwich on Boxing Day, so it might carry on for a bit. 
but uh, then they've got Wolves and then on New Year's Day, City. So the Guna bubble bursting is definitely not, it's definitely around the corner, as we always say. But yeah, annoyingly good against West Ham, uh, who, as I say, are coming to to us next in the Cup. So that'll be quite an interesting game in terms of the state of football in London. Uh, Arsenal now ahead of West Ham by four points, although West Ham have one game in hand. And we, of course, are further back with three games in hand. So as I've already mentioned, elsewhere in Europe, they've managed to keep all their games. Everybody's carrying on as normal. In Germany, they've already wrapped up for a winter break. In Italy and Spain, they've got one more midweek round. In Spain, it'll be particularly interesting, that midweek round, because Sevilla will play Barcelona. And uh, Sevilla have just beaten Atletico Madrid. An absolute uh, exoset from Rakitic in that one. Uh, And that puts Sevilla six points behind Real Madrid with a game in hand after Real Madrid dropped points against Cadiz. So Sevilla might still be in this fight. Uh, Atletico Madrid certainly out of it now and in fact Atletico Madrid now are only two points ahead of Barcelona who are in seventh after they uh, survived a scare against Elche so very interesting midweek coming up in Spain uh, I talked up Betis last week and of course they lost this week but it's probably the the uh, game of the round Bilbao beat them 3-2 at home Betis were winning 2-1, looked to be in control. And then Bilbao scored two goals late on to win that. They will play Real Madrid this midweek. So that could be another cracker. In Italy, there's one more round before the break. But the big game was last night in the San Siro, where Napoli got the win. They scored fairly early. Didn't play as well as some of their other performances uh, earlier in the season. But they managed to ground out the win. Did anybody see the controversy at the very end of the game, though? Oh, the disallowed goal. I've not actually seen I've only read about it. I didn't see it, though. Yeah, so Milan had started with Ibra and then uh, brought on Giroud. And most people expected that to be a straight swap, but actually they put both up front together and threw everything at it and eventually got what they thought was the breakthrough in added time when uh, Frank Kessie scored. But in the build-up to that goal, Olivier Giroud had sort of fallen over on the edge of the six-yard box and then made a sort of subtle attempt to play the ball in the ensuing action that led to Kessie's finish. And that was deemed to have interfered with play from an offside position, even though he was lying down on the floor. It was ruled out for that and Napoli held on for their win. Uh, Inter, meanwhile, were the beneficiaries of the weekend, winning 5-0 at the league's worst team, Salernitana. But they looked pretty Who, good. I caught the second half of that game and I was yeah. very surprised to see... Ah, uh, you're going to say Alexis Sanchez? Uh, no. <laughs> well, yeah, I was surprised. I'd forgotten all about him. Alexis Sanchez um, played well. <laughs> he so. did. He scored a very good goal. No, um, Go a ageing Frank Rivery get subbed off. Ah, oh, Salernitana. Salernitana, yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I had no idea he'd <laughs> propped up there. Yeah, <laughs> One last payday. <laughs> Definitely. And in Germany, there were huge wins for Bayern, both in midweek and on the weekend. So uh, 5-0 and 4-0. And they finish as Herbstmeister or Autumn Champion, as it's called, uh, before a winter break. Hertha Berlin beat Dortmund 3-2 on Sunday, just to compound uh, Dortmund's misery. We talked about how important that game at the start of the month was between Bayern and Dortmund, and it really... uh, has been borne out because since losing that game, Dortmund, when they were just a point behind before Der Klassiker, 
the the gap has now been stretched to nine points and Bayern can have a nice winter break looking forward to their Champions League tie against Red Bull's Outsburg and they're well on course for their 10th title in a row yes. even Celtic didn't do that <laughs> even Celtic I think Rangers did it once did they yes I think in the so, 90s yeah. that's yeah. why Celtic was so irked that they didn't match it yeah last true. season but uh, 10 titles in a row crikey yeah it's too much definitely so we are looking forward to a Boxing Day round nope. of fixtures. No, we're not. George isn't. <laughs> um, George would rather it was all cancelled and all uh, locked away. And it may well still be, I suppose, although today the Premier League ruled or seemed to neglect to have a vote in the other direction. But before um, the next uh, Premier League action, we've got the League Cup quarterfinals. Um what are the other ties, please, Nick? Well, on Tuesday, it's Arsenal v Sunderland. So that may have happened by the time you're listening to this. But then Wednesday is Brentford v Chelsea, Liverpool v Leicester, and then the Spurs match against West Ham that you talked about. Yeah, so Arsenal-Sunderland is on TV, is it? Arsenal-Sunderland is definitely on television. That's yeah. Tuesday night. Yeah. And then we're on television on the Wednesday. And uh, Brentford-Chelsea was a great game when it was in the league, wasn't it? And yeah. Brentford will probably throw everything at that. They, they reached the semis last year, of course, when we beat them. So they're turning into a bit of a league cup dark horse they can compound the wobble i think we're <laughs> given our earlier discussion it'd be very fascinating to see the team that Klopp fields in his league cup yeah. game right i think that's going to demonstrating be... the depths of his squad well is he going to go himself like he doesn't always turn up for these cup matches does he yeah, it's at home this one, so I think you'll be I think you'll be there. Careful. You didn't turn up for an FA Cup once. That was, <laughs> yeah. that was to support the England FA, uh, World Cup bid. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> that was all in the in the for the greater good, wasn't it? It was. We were doing our bit. Um, how did that go? Yeah, not great. That would have been two thousand and six, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, but how did the uh, how did Manchester United's campaign in the World Club Cup go? I think that's what George meant, isn't it? Uh, classic case of your Brits abroad melting in the sun. <laughs> Still talked about in Rio, I can tell you that. Okay, so George, you're not looking forward at all to Boxing Day, and I can understand that you're in the lunchtime kickoff at Liverpool. But uh, yeah. on the 28th, you're at home to Villa. Can you bounce back? And not to make excuses uh, two weeks in advance, but with so many players out, it is impossible to put any sort of run or form together. I don't know. It's a pretty resurgent Aston Villa, isn't it? I know they've had a couple of... Yeah, we didn't mention that. Gerard won uh, 2-0 at uh, Mm. Norwich, and he needed that after losing to both Liverpool and City, albeit narrowly. This is my crumb of positivity, is all the teams from, I think, 13th downwards, we still have to play at home. So that is my... Not that not Ellen Rose has been a fortress by any means, but that has to be some sort of olive branch, hopefully. Um, but yeah. I did read today we are a point worse off than we were when we last got relegated from the Premier League at this stage. So oh. not looking good at all. I remember but, that season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do as well, all too clearly. But yeah, put the full game aside. Yeah, Something conjures up images of Peter Reid on the touchline there. Yeah, and Alan Smith crying. Yeah, and This little boy crying that Premier League years like to show so often on Sky. <laughs> yeah, it's all a masterville game, the full game. You know, like I said, default 3 0 for all I care because um, we're not going to get anything out of that game. Yeah. Records could tumble. Just don't get game. injured. <laughs> Stay <laughs> safe, lads. <laughs> no injuries or suspensions. Uh, I think we've got three players on a tightrope of four yellows. So that could, could get worse in terms of absentees before it gets better. So they couldn't complain. The Merry Christmas. They couldn't complain if you put the academy team out against yeah. Liverpool. Didn't we do that on Saturday? Well, I'm sure, I'm sure Mick McCarthy did that once, didn't he? Yeah, against, against Man United. Yeah. 
and they got in big trouble for it. To change 11 players, didn't he? Yeah, he's so true. We, we won't bother this one. Was that at Christmas as well? No, I think it was later, wasn't it? Because they had a big relegation battle yeah. late, like within three days and he just yeah. chucked the United game. <laughs> the, the latest injury woe at Ellen Road, just like before the Chelsea game, happened in the last training session on Friday where yeah. a young uh, defender called Charlie Cresswell, uh, someone fell on him and he's dislocated his shoulder and he's yeah. four months. And that was the, oh. the last few minutes of the training session on Friday. It is unbelievable, the bad luck. <laughs> We're having the treatment room must be absolutely bursting at the seams. I actually noticed quite funnily on the last thing on these, I promise. The club didn't even bother putting a training video out like they do every week this week because I doubt there's anything to show because <laughs> there's no one out there. Um, so yeah, a very Merry Christmas at Thorpe Arch at the moment. Yes, indeed. I'll say uh, Merry Christmas to you both. Nick, you've got uh, something rather more pleasant to look forward to, I suppose, a bank holiday TV fair at the Saudis at yeah. uh, Sports Direct Park. After talking them down for the last few pods, I just know they're going to give me a bloody nose, aren't they? No, I um, don't think so. Anyway, that's the Monday night. This was supposedly the big festive advantage United had when we were in a title yeah. race, in inverted commas, because we have <laughs> the extra 24 hours. But yeah, Monday night under the lights. Let's go. I'll be watching that if only to rub a neck at Newcastle once more. If they defend like they did at the in the opening minutes against Man City, it's going to be entertaining. So that just leaves us to wish everybody a very happy Christmas. We will be back after the uh, glut of festive fixtures to discuss everything that's happened and uh, maybe even to celebrate Spurs' progress to the League Cup semi-final. Who knows? But Nick, George, thank you very much as ever and wishing you a very happy Christmas. George, don't let it keep you up all night, the prospect of going to Anfield. It'll be fine. It'll be over before you know it. I'm going to drink my way through it. It'll be exactly. Fine. <laughs> Merry, Christmas. Right. Merry Christmas to you. Cheers, guys. Bye.